Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have found me here at the Off the Bench podcast. Today, I have one of my favorite guests in the whole wide world back on the show. Dr. Mark Sherwood is here, and we're going to be answering your questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. I'm going to jump right into this because... As always, we have a gazillion questions that you are asking, and we want to get as many of them as we can in the show today. Mark, my friend, welcome to the podcast. I know. It's good to be here and good to be off the bench, right? It's good. It is, yeah. Well, if ever there was an off the bencher, uh, it's you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, we're, we got to get in the game, man. Everybody listening, get off the bench and get in the game. There you go. Get off the bench, get into the game. Really quickly, uh, Dr. Mark, for people who are new to the show, can you uh, introduce yourself and tell listeners a little bit about what you and your lovely wife do? Yeah, just real briefly, my wife, Dr. Michelle, who I kindly refer to as not my spare rib, but my prime rib, um, (laughs) we actually have the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where we get the opportunity to help people get off of unnecessary usage of medication and reverse and stay off of these self-imposed choice-driven disease processes. And our whole mission statement, Heidi, is pretty clear. We lead people down a pathway to true healing, and we get the opportunity to help people really around the world. And and we're grateful for that that just big old blessing it is. Yep. And you guys have had tremendous success right there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So excited. I've been uh, telling listeners that you've been helping me and my family Mm -hmm. and many people that I know. So if people want to get in touch with you, they can do that by going to sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. So, yes, and for ma'am. those of you who can't spell my name, it's H E I D I. It's not H Y D I or H I D Y. No, please don't do. No, please don't do that. All right, we're going to start off today front with a voicemail that came in through uh, Spotify from a listener, and her name is Kim. Here we go. Hello, my name is Kim, and I'm from Iowa. I have a question for Dr. Mark. Um, my 14-year-old son just recently got diagnosed with short stature, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on, of course, they want us to do growth hormones, um, If what your opinions are on them, and or is there any natural alternatives to help um, him with growth? Thanks. All right. There you go. Yeah, that's a great question, Kim, and thank you so much for... Uh calling in. We appreciate it. Um, with short stature, it's a little bit complicated. So obviously you would diagnose that with the uh, hypofunction of the pituitary gland or lack of production of maybe uh, growth hormone. So that's why the doctors would discuss growth hormone with you. In that situation, being at 14, it is something I would consider. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but it could be a good thing because a lack of growth hormone will um, disallow the person to grow up properly and most importantly heal properly so that's also something to consider as far as uh, natural things to go and do uh, we all know that uh, exercises and eating well and eating uh, a good protein diet will help produce growth hormone as well so i would look at both of those and strongly consider uh, using a recombinant growth hormone for that All right. I love it. Danielle in California said, both of my sons are asthmatic and both are on a daily steroid inhaler. I'm looking to take them off the daily inhaler. What is the best way to do so? All right. A couple things, Danielle. It's been well documented. There's a whole body of research out there that's indicative of asthma perhaps being an inflammatory condition 
what drives it? What causes that? Because why are so many kids having asthma today? The very first thing you want to do is this. Put them on an anti-inflammatory dietary intake. And, and what does that look like? You're going to pull out, of course, and you're going to love me for this later, all processed foods that create unnecessary inflammation. Uh, so I would pull them off of grains and, and, and breads that are processed. I'd pull them off of dairy unless you know the real source of that. I'd pull them off of sugars and stuff. Um, obviously, I'd increase the omega-3 fatty acids to probably three grams per day. I would make sure their vitamin D status is up to snuff. That needs to be about 50 in their blood lab. And then I would see how they're doing right there along with any flare-ups. If the flare-ups go down, hey, voila, we don't need an inhaler. Yeah. Asthma, I, I, it's, you know, you just mentioned you know, take them off dairy unless you know where that milk is coming, mm -hmm. where you know that dairy is coming from. It is becoming increasingly difficult yeah. for parents to navigate this stuff because we don't know where our food's coming from anymore. You know, uh, instead of being, you know, 12, 15 miles from your local farm, they're coming 2000 miles away from across the country. And it really is. It's hurting our food supply. Uh, yes. Kimberly in Florida wants to know how to find a mental health therapy that you can trust. Uh, Kimberly, that is a challenging issue because mental health today is, and, and please understand, it's tied to spiritual health, it's tied to physical health. Physical, emotional, uh, mental are all in the same bucket, the same person, because we're all those parts in a human being, in our human experience. When you look at mental health, please consider nutrition. I would suggest a first place to start would be a naturopath. You want to kind of go there and get a foundational program established because when people struggle with mental health, they typically struggle with the idea of having available neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine. Well, proper nutrition and understanding the biochemistry of same will help people form those things. And they also can be treated with maybe some adaptogenic herbs that would really be helpful as well. Yeah. Well, diet, I think people don't think about it very much. You know, mm -hmm. I, in the culture, it seems to me, I mean, I'd love to hear your take on this, but it seems to me that we've been, we have really been programmed, for lack of a better word, yeah. that drugs are always the answer. So the first thing that happens, we just look for a drug to fix it, whether it's an antidepressant, a medicine or anxiety or any of those things. And you're mm -hmm. trying to bring people around to say, hey, also, yeah. look at what you're taking in. Look what you're giving your body to function on. This is a very good point because no one is born with a medication deficiency. That's very important to understand. We're seeing children today plugged full of Ritalin with the idea that that's going to help them with this ADHD, this, this diagnosis that's becoming a catch-all. Why is it that all of a sudden kids are having the symptoms of ADHD or not being able to pay attention? Well, it's because they lack dopamine. When dopamine runs low, it's a neurotransmitter that's excitatory. When it runs low, the person's going to have the inability or lowered ability to be focused on one thing or one subject, one object, right? They're going to dance all over the place, a la the, a aka the ADHD uh, diagnosis. Dopamine is formed from the conversion from an amino acid through some B vitamins, and then here we get dopamine. So when you have children in school that are fed this anti-nutrient, non-nutritious food that has little amino acids and little vitamins and minerals, just calories, you're creating a whole school of young people that are set up to get this excuse of a diagnosis that's going to hamper them and harm them the many days of their life. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really it's really frustrating, and I'm yeah. thankful for voices like yours, which I think are increasing in the culture now as people are starting to go, wait a second, uh, maybe that's not the right way to go. We had a great question from Amy about the MTHFR gene. I'm going to play that for you. It's another question that came in off of Spotify. Okay. Hello, Heidi. I'm wondering what Dr. Sherwood has to say about supplementation for the MTHFR gene mutation. I have a daughter that has that, and I'd love to know what his recommendations are. Thanks. I love your podcast. Hmm. Yeah, so for Amy there, Amy, um, this is important for a lot of our listeners. You're, you're going to hear this. I have MTHFR, and MTHFR stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. There will not be a test question after that one, right? But the bottom line say, is... Don't ask me twice. Yeah, that's like a big old <laughs> word. But it's an enzyme <laughs> that is involved in the methylation process. Earth-shattering news. Every human being has an MTHFR enzyme. Everybody does. So the misrepresentation of that is profound. Having said that, genetically speaking... Our genes determine many times the shape and styles of the way these enzymes work. Someone who has been diagnosed with that typically has one that doesn't work very fast. So all you need to know on that is there's several cofactors or gasoline that makes the MTHFR enzyme run correctly. And they're found in B vitamins, B vitamins. So Amy, you need to get a methylated Keyword methylated MTHF, MT, M E T H Y L A T E D, methylated B vitamin, a B complex. Put your child on that. And then you need to look at increasing a little bit of the methylated folate, which is B9. And I would come up if your, if your vitamin doesn't have at least 400 micrograms on that, I would probably come up to at least that. And then I would get some methylated B12, and I would probably come up to 2,000 micrograms on that. By doing that right there, you're going to give your child the opportunity to have a full-functioning MTHFR enzyme because look at it like this. It's, it's operating like a four-cylinder car with a 10-gallon gas tank versus maybe an eight-cylinder car with a 20-gallon gas tank. So it still works, but you just got to fill it up more often. So I hope that helps. I love that. This is a common question, so I'm glad mm -hmm. that you're uh, addressing it. Michelle, New Mexico, this comes up all the time, and you and I have talked about this before. We spent quite a bit of time on this in happy hour a few weeks mm -hmm. ago, but her son recently had a wellness checkup, and the doctor gave her a list of upcoming vaccines uh, and among the ones he recommends, of course, are COVID-19, the DTAP, meningococcal, and HPV. She said, I feel like vaccines have come to a new light, and my husband and I are more alert with some of these. I'm curious what your thoughts are about vaccines given to children, the vaccine schedule that they recommend, and any advice to parents who want to opt out of a few of them. Yeah, Michelle, you and your husband are the parents, and that child is your responsibility and opportunity. Um, Today in our world, I think we're over-vaccinating our children. Uh, I'm not anti-vaccine person because I think you go back historically and you can see some, some benefits there. Yeah. But today there's been profit getting in the way of logic. Profit got in the way of people. And profit gets in the way of safety many times. And so just know these vaccines trigger the immune system, which they're supposed to. And the immune system gets triggered and creates inflammation. 
you put that on an already inflamed situation and keep bombarding it, you're creating these um, susceptibilities for disease processes to develop. There are 66 vaccines now that are approved as last I checked by the CDC. I don't think we're born with vaccine deficiencies either. So that's another thought process to think about. The idea behind giving your child vaccines should be yours and yours alone. If the doctor is giving you information on that, receive the information, do your research. If the doctor will not discuss it with you, find a new doctor. There's a lot of holistic doctors coming up today that are willing to do the pediatric section and they do it quite well. And, you know, this thing that we're talking about, this time in history, has been a good thing. You know, it's it's woken people up to probably back to the original roots of who we're supposed to be. So sometimes, you know, we've got to embrace Romans 8.28. You know, all things do work together for the good for those that are uh, called according to God's purpose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yep, that's right. Anonymous in Nebraska has a question for you. She says, strep has been running rampant in my community for kids. It's reoccurring, and even the pediatrician tells me the antibiotics are not working. What can I do for my four children, ages 8 to 1, to fight this nasty virus? I have one child who's tested positive for it four times, and after trying an antibiotic for the first two times, I can also see that they don't work. What should I do? Well, antibiotics today are over-prescribed, to say the least, and there has is a lot of antibiotic resistance that's out there today, unfortunately. With strep, like other uh, infectious disease processes, you got to be a little bit careful about that, of course, for contagious purposes, and the little children don't feel very well with that. So what you kind of want to do with this is you want to increase their vitamin D, their vitamin C, their omega-3s, their B vitamins, and their magnesium. Make sure that they have those up to snuff. And of course, different ages would have different requirements. Now, many times bringing those back into the system will enhance the system's ability to work, i.e. your immune system can then begin to fight and defend you appropriately. When you see it going around in the community, there's two things that are happening. Number one, it's going around through this natural contagious process to infect people so there can be herd immunity. And or also number two, there is a weakness in the community, in the immune system that's not fighting it off well. And so you really want to analyze both of those. It sounds like the latter is really what's happening there. So my suggestion is to uh, bring those things back in there, the base nutrients, make sure that your child is fully equipped from an immune system standpoint to fight, and that'll give you a, a definitely a leg up on everybody else. Angela in British Columbia. Boy, Angela, we're praying for you in British Columbia. What a mess in Canada right now. 
She's got a couple of questions for you. She wants to know what causes constipation. She's having her, she's got a couple of young kids that are uh, having a struggle with this. She says, what, how can you fix it in a young child's gut to prevent it besides being told to drink more and eat more fiber? Well, Angela, and and we are indeed praying for our friends north of the border. Um, The idea behind this though, constipation, it's mostly, you know, when you talk about motility, there's something that's slowing down the system's ability to transport the waste products through and out the system. The problems behind that with if we don't get it remediated is is intense because ultimately we've got waste products inside of us. Again, not just to mention the discomfort, but mention the toxicity that still remains within us and we're yeah. not able to get rid of it. You want to bring in magnesium because most people today in North America are deficient in magnesium. Now, there's different types of magnesium. There's magnesium glycinate, there's magnesium uh, citrate, there's magnesium oxide, there's magnesium malate. To get them to move those bowels, bring in a little bit of magnesium citrate. Start off at about 200 milligrams and work your way up until the magic happens. If you wait too much and get too high, what happens is it'll turn your... um, constipation into a loose stool. So you've got to like bring magnesium in on a regular basis, but when you're constipated, you have to bring it up a little more uh, acute wise to cause the bowels to release because it is important to understand that constipation is not a good thing. Constipation is really defined as not just having a bowel movement every day, but when you have a bowel movement, it needs to be a fully formed stool. If that's not happening, that's also a problem. All right. This is good information for mamas who are really trying hard to take care of their kids. This was a question that I really resonated with. An anonymous listener in Minnesota says, Hi, Dr. Mark and Heidi. I'm almost 40 and had to have a hysterectomy two years ago. My doctor wouldn't check hormones afterward, and I have not felt normal since. It's hard emotionally, physically. My weight is constantly increasing. I feel discouraged and overwhelmed, among other things. I feel just as lost as to what to do and what steps are recommended for someone after a hysterectomy. I know you had one, Heidi. How did you deal with this? Well, I'll, I'll just say it from a personal uh, standpoint. A hysterectomy is never something that you want to do, right? This is something that is performed uh, really, I think, as a last resort. And I turned to a lot of natural things. Um, I decided not to do hormone therapy. They left my ovaries, but then my ovaries stopped working because of the trauma that happened during the surgery. And so hot flashes, the whole thing. I mean, I'm You know, 40 years old and bam, it's menopause, you know, night sweats, the whole thing. Uh, We did a lot of work with essential oils. I've talked about that on the show. A lot of supplements, actually some of them even that Dr. Mark told me to take really helped. But I guess I want you to hear that it doesn't have to be the end of the world for you. I know it feels like it right now, but really help is available, right, Mark? Yeah, there's a lot of help available. Um, Classic, this is a person that would probably want to reach out to us because Without hormones or without adequacy of the presence of hormones, uh, ladies end up becoming a higher risk for brain, bone, and heart disease, right? That's not yep. good. But then you also get the proverbial weight gain, which you have, and you get um, the symptoms like you know night sweats, hot flashes, et cetera. But you can also get kind of moody and depressed, um, none of which are good things, right? So in other words, you don't have to suffer there is hope out there. And whether you use hormones or not, there's a lot of hope out there. And you need to find that hope because I'm telling you right now, Anonymous, uh, 
Um, you, you don't have to live in misery. That is not right. It's not okay. And I encourage you to get out of that prison right now and connect with people that will give you a key to get out. Yeah, and if uh, if you wanted to get a hold of Dr. Mark, I would highly recommend that yeah. you do that. Just talk to somebody. I mean, I think on top of the physical you know, frustrations and the hardship that comes with a hysterectomy, particularly when you're in your late 30s or yeah. early 40s, you have the emotional uh, the emotional upset of the whole thing too, right? Yes. And so it, it feels unnatural because it is unnatural, but you can reach out to Dr. Mark. Uh, any, actually, anybody can. Mm-hmm. If you guys are listening, sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi. All right, we've got time. Well, we don't, we're over time. And I'm going to ask you one more question okay. that came from Courtney in Wisconsin. She says she has a toddler who has recently started getting canker sores one right after the other. What can she do? Courtney, uh, you want to add a little bit of folate and B12 folate and B12. Um, there is something that you want to add. I'll give you a product name and you want to try this one. It's called trifolamin, T-R-I-F-O-L-A-M-I-N. It's a little bit of lozenge. You put that in your mouth and when you bring that back in there, many times replacing that B12 and or folate deficiency, you'll see those sores go away. Is it possible? I fear I hear this from a lot of moms here at the at the homeschool resource centers. Kids are struggling with this. They were talking about the other day, and I heard somebody say, "Oh, it's sugar. It's sugar that is is that is that right?" I mean, it's I don't a, know. It's a trigger that um, it, well, because we know that sugar will create inflammation in the body, and what prompts the um, precipitation of that canker sore is many times some kind of stressor, and it can be an uh, an emotional stressor. Um, it can be a, a physical stressor, and certainly uh, the food or the standard American diet will do that. Yeah, the sad diet, right? Sad, very sad. That'll absolutely <laughs> do it. Very sad. Uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, where can people find you online? Go to sherwood.tv forward slash Heidi, and um, seriously, we are here to help. The questions are, like, amazing. I'm, I'm honored to help answer it, but, you know, we've got to sort of put the answers into action. So reach out to us. Let's get you well, and let's get you on to the best days of your life. I love that. Dr. Mark Sherwood, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For those of you who are subscribed, stick around for happy hour. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.